get 30 seconds? Uh, I think we'll just do one 30 second block. I mean, I literally just have one thing to say, so... I, I can talk about Dern for 30 seconds. Okay, and here we go. Well, on Laura Dern's Instagram this week, uh, she shared a picture of her mom as a young person, and she looks very much like her with the straight blonde hair. And she said, look at my mom. And I was like, oh, you have 20 seconds, go. Um, Laura Dern is a woman... And she has an Instagram account. She has a child, I presume. And how much time? How much time? You have one second. And that's Dern. That's my timer noise. Um, well, you didn't mention she's an actress at all. <laughs> we've only done... We've only made... <laughs> Over a day's worth of content in hours. Oh my about god. We have now, officially. Over 400 people have listened to us. And uh, that's all you gotta say about her, huh? Yep. Well, this week's not about Laura Dern, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's all we're doing. We did 30 seconds. That's our contractual obligation. Yep. If you're here for Dern, see ya. Yeah, go, go to next week's episode, which is gonna be spooky. What's the, is this week's episode going to be spooky as well? Uh, yeah, this week we decided to can our show idea and talk about Stephen King instead. Yeah! Famous spooky man, main zone, Stephen King. Spookster. I think he said main zone, like he's in the main zone. <laughs> the main zone. It's my favorite Stephen King book, main zone. <laughs> a man gets trapped in a haunted laser tag arena. Oh, that's perfect. He Actually, has to have done that already. That sounds pretty good, though. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a really good Stephen King story, like the ghosts of Victorian children using laser guns. I once wrote a, a short story in the style of Stephen King. It was about... Uh, Go on. <laughs> it was my family. Um, we got really into microwaving peeps one year for Easter, which is fun because they get really big and puffy and melty in the microwave. They do. And if you give them little, like you put a toothpick in them, then they joust. You put two of them, they get bigger and joust you each know, other. I was born in the same town that peeps are made in. Wow. And I spent most of my life in and out of that town. And that's why you're so sweet and unhealthy. Yep. It's me. Um... <laughs> A lot of people from there, you know, are like, have real steel worker energy, but you're just a big old peep. I think it's funny that <laughs> Bethlehem Steel, arguably Pennsylvania's manliest company, is in the same town as Just Born, the company that makes peeps, <laughs> arguably the gayest candy. <laughs> um, so I wrote a, a story reenacting these East, this family Easter... Um, peeps torture, and then the peeps come to life and murder the whole family. Oh, man. It was very fun. It was completely an, an homage to uh, <laughs> the the boring old Maynard we're talking about today. He is a boring old man, isn't he? Is he main, boring only in, like, personality? Like, Isn't there a town called Boring Maine? Is there? I don't know. There's a boring company. Sure Elon's things. I have a feeling they've never met. <laughs> I don't think Elon and Stephen King would have a lot to talk. I mean, they would, but like Stephen King would just want to like get story ideas out of him. It's like, what's it like being an evil South African? Him with notepad <laughs> leaning in. Yeah, they probably haven't met. Mm. Which is for the best, maybe. 
Elon sucks. I don't want him any further immortalized. True. I feel like Stephen King is, like, so ridiculously famous that he can just, A, do whatever he wants, and he can choose to meet or not meet anyone he wants. Yeah, likely. Like, let, I'm just, I'm going to assume, it's probably happened, Stephen King has probably never met Michael Jordan. It might have happened. Right. It honestly probably has. But, like, if he, if right now he was just like, I want to meet Michael Jordan, he could make it happen within, like, a, a week. Maybe. Probably right now over Zoom. But if it were normal times, like, he could be at Michael Jordan's house, like. And Michael Jordan would probably do it, because it's Stephen King. He's just a pleasant old little man. Yeah. He read a little spooky story about Michael Jordan's basketballs. Mm-hmm. We do have a spooky sports story to talk about today. We sure do. Um, so this, this is just the King hour. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to do, we're going to take a departure from our usually rigorously structured show and bullshit for roughly an hour about, uh, something that doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Oh, before we get going, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. So who is, who's the Native American that you're thankful for this year? What? <laughs> Who's the Native American that I'm thankful for? Yeah. Is that what we do on Indigenous Peoples Day? I mean, I think um, it'd be my good friend for... Rachel from Oklahoma. Oh, cool! She's very sweet and funny, and we made out once. Oh, nice. Good for you. Yeah. I was. I had a very notable actor in mind, but now I just can't think of their name. But yeah, let's just, I'm just going to make Laura. Oh, no, Laura, Laura Dern is one 124th Cher- Cherokee nation. Um, no, I'm just going to make mine um, every Native American actor, especially the ones that weren't paid enough because they weren't white people. Mm, that's good. And what if, about the one that um, Marlon Brando brought to the Oscars? That's a thing that happened. And also, I think I've read that she was, in fact, not a Native American. No, I think she was a Islander of some kind, and she was dressed up as a Native uh, American. And I think she was also having an affair with him. I yeah, I've, I assume. I mean, you know, that's a given, but like you know. Yeah. Either way, good for. Um. Me. So you're you're a man of Italian heritage. I we were gonna <laughs> go different ways with that. Yes, I am. You're, I am also a man of Italian heritage. Have you ever skinny met? Um, so I won't name names, but, uh, someone I live with, he, uh, w- takes, takes issue with Indigenous Peoples Day because he sees Columbus Day as this, like, oh. day of Italian culture. And I've never once met an Italian who is like, yeah, cult- that's our boy, right? I like, mean, is that something think, you've ever encountered? Uh-oh. Not personally but like i recently watched the sopranos and that is a major plot point of an episode it's christopher columbus yeah that like i think there was a like a native american group that was protesting it and like just protesting like they were there with signs around statue like hey this ain't cool and then the sopranos crew like beat the shit out of them and like was like "Ah, this is our day for our guy who came here and did the things (sighs) so yeah i think it is a thing that exists within like hyper italian Okay, I'm related to some hyper Italians, and I'm I'm pleased yeah, to say I that mean, was never. He like it happened so long ago. I can't imagine still being like that. Right. Boiled about it. It happened, you know, four hundred years before Italy was ever a country. <laughs> oh man. 
And uh, the people who I'm not thankful for on this Indigenous Peoples Day are all of the white actors who have played Native Americans over the years in films. Shall we name them? I'm looking at you, Rob Schneider. The... Which one? I'm pretty sure he played a Native American in, um... I feel like he's vaguely ethnic in every oh, Sandler yeah, no, I mean, film. He's, he has never played a white person <laughs> in any movie. Uh, played an animal once. He did? I think he was in one of Adam Sandler's 16 recent Netflix movies, the hateful, or the, what was it, the stupid six, it was the whatever. Hoopy, the hoobies. The hoobie-joobies. Spooky hoobies. No, not that one, although that looks awful. I can't it's, wait to see it's it. It's not a good look, a 50-year-old comedian playing a mentally challenged man. Because <laughs> that's what it is. He's trying to do Little Nicky 20 years later, and it's just not flying. Yeah, I got real Waterboy vibes that from too. the trailer. I guess, yeah, it is less Little Nicky. It's, it's less mentally challenged than his earlier work. It's more of a <laughs> it's more of a departure, a Waterboy. He's on will. the spectrum. He is. Clearly. Uh, well, in our famous fashion, we have gone off track from even the off-track episode. Yes. So Stephen King, what's up with him? He... If I only knew him from his Twitter, I wouldn't care for him. <laughs> he's, he's just a boring liberal. He's just a, a, a complainer about... He's just like a guy who you know, like, thinks Joe Biden can save us all. Well, authors are famously not the most exciting people. It's true, yeah. I mean, but he used to be such a cokehead. So, like, where... Why... I don't know, like, why isn't he, like, cooler? So, is your message this week, don't get sober? <laughs> yes. Be cool, snort coke. Be cool. I do, uh, one Stephen King anecdote I love is that he, he realized years after writing The Shining that he was the main character piece of shit dad, because that was, like, full-on cokehead rage and he's just a bad father and like that's a bummer a decade later was like oh it's autobiographical (laughs) so maybe do get sober but then you know get unsober i was chewing on a pop tart um where was i gonna go with that yeah um it's only a problem if you make it a problem right cocaine (laughs) (laughs) got coke (laughs) Um, I think my favorite thing is that there are stories and books he just doesn't remember writing from, like, those years, and that's wild to think, like, (laughs) possibly some of his more successful writings are just, like, were from a weird drug haze. I mean, to be clear, those were not his more successful I I don't remember, coincidentally, I don't remember the ones he doesn't remember writing, (laughs) but, like, you know, that's wild. Just out there. Yeah. I think, I think indicative, I don't know if it was a Coke thing or just King being too much on too big, mm-hmm. right? Because this is, this is an absolute legend. The, the Michael Jordan, uh, as it were, of uh, horror fiction um, is the, the child orgy scene and it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we, just nobody, no editor could tell him no. <laughs> he was a... Uh... For those who are unfamiliar, if you've only seen the movie, what was left out is that not only do the the children defeat it um, in their young child age, 
um, with the power of love and friendship, but they that is represented through them all having sex with the the one female of the group, if I recall correctly. I which is have yet to read the deeply book. disturbing. I mean, it's not great. And I think it's really weird when all the kids in um, Stand By Me finger that corpse. That was a weird <laughs> move. I mean, hey, I'll try <laughs> anything once, that. but that's just a little, that's a little nutty for me, Mr. <laughs> King. Um, so, I guess we could start with why we're talking about Stephen King this week. Sure. Um, we were paid a large sum of money by the King estate. Yep. He's not dead yet, but his estate he just runs be. things. He will one day. Wait, what, by the time you're listening to this. This is actually a time capsule episode. We won't be releasing it until the death of Stephen King. <laughs> you, you know, this is funny, but me and my roommate Mike have this terrible thing where we will talk about famous people dying, and then like three weeks later they die, and now I'm just really worried, like, what if Stephen King kicks it? Well, I mean, it's like straight out of a derivative Stephen King short story, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about Stephen King this week, for real, because I was gifted the book The Bazaar of Bad Dreams. It is a short story compilation by my sister this past Christmas, and I finally read it. I flew through it. It was a great book. It's one of his more recent short story compilations, which I've never really read anything by him, like, past the year, excuse me, let's say, like, 2005. So it's interesting hearing him talk about, like, DDRs and, like, using modern tongues, like, speaking as an old man. Right. Exactly. Like in all the little story intros, he's just like, I'm an old man now. And I've noticed his relationship with technology is just a little wrong. Like, yeah. just, like little like turns of phrase where he's like supposed writing as like a 40 year old who uses a computer. I forget the specifics, but it's like, that's I, not, I that's think, not what people say. Yeah. Stephen. He's, he's, he's trying. Yeah. He's out there. I just imagine him, like, texting his daughter and asking her, like, questions. Like, so, DVR, <laughs> what's that all about? Like, now? Yeah. That's what like, he's doing in the year 2020? What's his wife's name? Tabitha. Tabitha. I was just thinking, like, Tabitha takes care of all the DVRs. I don't <laughs> run it. I need to know how it runs for the story I'm writing. Because yeah. I'm Stephen King. I don't know if you forgot. Daughter of mine. I don't know if he has a daughter. I assume he does. He has a son, I know that. Yeah. Joe Hill. Joe Hill, who's also a writer, mm-hmm. who was one of the people who noticed um, in the film Jaws, there is a background woman, I believe she is known now as the Woman of the Dunes, who went missing, whose body was found like maybe t- a week or two after that shot was filmed. Wow in Corpus Christi or wherever they filmed those, I don't remember, but... And I think it was, like, a serial killer killer. Was maybe... her name Christy? No, they you it was a Jane Doe. Oh. I bet her name was But, Christy. like, they found a body, and then he was... Wa- Joe Hill was watching it, and he saw that, like, what she was wearing matched exactly the description that was, like, in the paper. Wow. And he, like, helped piece that together, that she... that To help locate her, but they still don't know who she is. And I think it was just a one-off killing, so they still don't know what happened. Wow. Man, it's a spooky family. That, yeah. Like, what What are the odds? I, I've never... Roll the dice. found a dead body, and, and my dad's not Stephen King. Stephen King, in fact, killed that woman. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> I remember reading there was a, a Chinese author a few years ago who did that. Who oh. wrote, like, some big hit book about... 
a guy like killing a bunch of people and then it surprise <laughs> that was him man hey so cool how to sell a book so cool two easy steps murder write about it <laughs> so yeah uh short story book we read it we enjoyed it for the most part yeah so what do you want to just start what uh struck you any particular stories uh, that really jived with you Um, I'd have to say, of all the stories in this book, I feel like what I enjoyed about this book is that it was an even mix of, like, supernatural stories and stories that were just, like, realistic and unsettling. Yeah. Which, I I think it's been so long since I've read a Stephen King thing that I forget that that's what he does half the time. He just writes about a thing that legitimately could be real. Right. And the fact that it could be makes it more unsettling than the supernatural stories. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think Under the Weather was probably one of my favorites. Could, could you tell the listeners a bit? So, Under the Weather is about a man who... It is brought up very specifically that he has no sense of smell because he grew up in the same town as a paper plant. Which is a thing, apparently. And his wife is very sick. And he's going to work, and he's upset, and he has a little flashback to being on the plane on their honeymoon, and he thinks she's dead. And then she's like, what would you do if I did die? And he's just like, I'd pretend you weren't dead. And that's a big red flag. I was like halfway through the story, and I realized what was happening. And I was like, oh, no. And then basically what happens is you find out that the wife has been dead for like a week, and he's just been like sort of taking care of her and, like, setting up her pills in the morning and, like, just piling on the sticky notes in the kitchen for her. The dog has eaten the hand off of her mm-hmm. and everyone that lives around their apartment is complaining about the odor, which, of course, he can't smell. Right. Yeah, that one just... That one got me because it was so realistic. And I think even in the intro, he says, like, sometimes when you write a story, you know people are going to know what's happening, like, the first page. Yeah, it picks up on that pretty writing. quick. And I was like, oof, I love that. Are you familiar with the William Faulkner short story, A Rose for Emily? I am aware of the song, A Rose for Emily, by... By the zombies? Yes. Um, Unrelated, both wonderful. True. Um, A Rose for Emily is perhaps more related to Under the Weather than it would be the zombies story of the same song of the same name. Is it a similar vein of like a dead woman who you don't find out is dead right away? Um, More or less. I forget the nuance, but yeah, it's, uh, you got the gist. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good ones in here. I feel like if I had to talk about like one other story, it would probably be Summer Thunder. Tell us about Summer Thunder. Summer Thunder. That one struck me because it reminded me of the now times you know mm-hmm. current pandemic plague mask of the red death in real life um this has happened a few times when i've read or watched things of this nature recently where i get like very paranoid afterwards because it's basically about a post um nuclear holocaust america mm-hmm. a man whose wife and daughter were in boston and close enough to the strike zone that they were just immediately fried And it's just him living in the woods and, like, it's not too far after the blast from what I can gather. Like, there's still, like, gas in some places and, like, food on shelves if you go to the right stores. And it's basically about this man, his friend, and his dog slowly declining into just absolute radioactive poisoning 
gut smelting right. nightmares. Teeth fall out and, and like blood just, gets pooped. Oof. And it's just like it's that thing where like you try to ignore the fact that you're dying very quickly and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And I recently watched the 2016 version of Cabin Fever, which is not a good movie, but it's that same thing where they all have this illness that's indefinitely going to kill them all, and, like, they'll notice they have it, and they'll just be like, ha, 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 and, like, ignore it. And I just, like, I think about that now, because there's a massive sickness going around, and I'm like, ha, 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 <laughs> But I don't have it. That I know of. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. That one, that, that to me is some of the, the scariest, is the inevitability and not that I think that, you know, nuclear holocaust is necessarily a likelihood, yeah. um, but that... Not this the, way, anyway. The inevitability of death. And, and also... And to not want to accept it, it does feel at a time when it seems the wheels are somewhat falling off the way we operate. Uh, I completely agree. I like how in the intro, Stephen King basically says, like, when I turn 50, my wife made me get rid of my motorcycle... Because when you get older, your reflexes go down. And I think the, the main character in this says something similar to that. And then at the end, when he is just melting as a person, he gets on his motorcycle and goes around literally dead man's curve and just like <laughs> oh, yeah, floors it and goes it. through the side. And that's a great way to kill yourself Hell in, yeah. the, in the aftertimes. When you're, when you're suffering from radioactive, just... And that's, it. that's the end of the whale. book. Yeah. <laughs> a man motorcycle kills himself to death. And then we're done. Um, interestingly, it reminded me of what I may describe as one of the scariest bits of Stephen King I've ever read was a short story that's probably not too well known called Graduation Ceremony. I believe this was in his collection maybe like 12 years ago or something like that. And as I recall, it's a very short one. It might be like four pages. It might be like 12. Um, but it's... Uh, high school graduation, it's like a well-to-do family, a daughter in Connecticut, I think. It's like waspy and proper and um, nice and sunny and she's got like a summer dress on and it's just that for all until the last paragraph and the last paragraph is just the mushroom cloud on the horizon. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't help but wonder if like that you know, is this the the follow-up to that? Huh. Because it felt very similar in, like, in reality, in this, like, being a... That was the horror of it, was it was presented as this, like, oh, yeah, why why couldn't this happen? <laughs> There's no reason it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Just saying. Ugh, man, spooky shit. Is there anything from this book you particularly enjoyed? Yeah. Or did not we, enjoy? Um, the one thing I did not enjoy is so there are two stories that have a bit of overlap to me there is Ur, which is this um he says he wrote it for like a sponsored amazon kindle thing one sort I of think, a lark i think what i like is that he says like his now deceased um publisher or press agent came to him like right. hey they're releasing a new Kindle. They want authors to write things. And Stephen King said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then he said, he had this idea and wrote it anyway. And it's, it's kind of slamming the Kindle. Like not really, but like a little the bit. idea that if you get a Kindle, he might be opened up to an alternate reality hellscape and then interrogated by evil lizard men. Yeah. So that's basically the gist. I thought that was a very cool story. That, I liked the ending. 
I enjoyed like that, like the council, the haunted, like glowing warm car and all that yeah. shit. Um, like actually, that one I did like. What I didn't like was Obits was this guy who writes for this sort of trashy website, TMZ style, um, and he learns that if he writes an obituary for someone who's alive, they die. And there's another story called Dune, where a guy goes to a dune and sees a name written of someone, and if their name's there... They die. And it felt just a little too derivative. It's yeah, like, all right, I, I didn't really consider that when I was reading it, but I do see how those are pretty much the same... I The same haunted idea, just in different settings. Right. And Dune I liked because it was, like, inexplicable, random, sort of different, but, like, you know, you take a picture of someone with the camera. It's an old, like, are you afraid of the dark? I don't know who came up with that first. I did like that, like, um... Almost like Monkey Paw's ending to Dune, though. Oh, yeah. Where it's, like, in the Monkey's Paw, the sun's knocking, but that's how it ends. And, right. like, in this, it's like, oh, it wasn't my name on the Dunes talking to yeah. some Will Willerman. It's this man. old guy talking to his lawyer, explaining about this magical Dune, and he has a sense of urgency, we need to address this now. And the lawyer, it ends, the lawyer's like, let me guess, you saw your name written on the Dune? He says, oh, not my name? Which is <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite... Now, let's cast that real quick. Who did you see as the old man? Um, uh, Gene Hackman. Mm, you're probably right. I, I was, I, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to, to be Vincent Price, but I don't know if he could pull off a southern accent. He was also quite a gaunt man. I feel like you need a heavier... Yeah, heavier this guy was fella. like a big, rich southern man. And I could see the, the younger lawyer being like a... Like a comedian, but like a comedian that can do serious. Sure. Maybe okay. like uh, even um, maybe like Keegan Michael Key. Maybe that, or I was also thinking like a John C. Riley could perhaps do that. I think John C. Riley could be the old guy. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, He's got range. You just did super old age makeup on John C. Riley, yeah. and Keegan Michael Key was the young guy. That would be hilarious. That'd be great. Um. But what, like, so, oh, with Ur, the Kindle one, mm -hmm. and with Obits, what it reminded me of a bit was uh, one of my favorite Stephen King short stories. Have you read Word Processor of the Gods? Yes! <laughs> uh, that, I read that in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, mm -hmm. and yeah, that, that got me. That was a good one. Yeah, so that, if I recall, it's a writer who gets this word processor, and he's just, like, pissed at his family. Yeah. He, like, deletes his wife or creates a new one or something. And I think, something. like, she makes him, like, write in the shitty little shed in the backyard. Yeah. Ugh. And, and, yeah. So that felt like, I feel like these were, felt a little just, like, watered-down versions of some King classics <laughs> in that way. Um, but there were a lot that I really loved. Yeah. I loved, he's got a couple that are, like, clear homages to other writers. True. Um, the one, the one I loved was um, Raymond Carver, who listeners would know as the guy who wrote the the stories that created led to the creation of the film Shortcuts, three hours long and just like weird stuff and sex stuff and people dying, and that was such a, a cool little departure for King, where it's just this like kind of shitty guy and his fat wife, and then his wife drops dead, and like. 
The end. That's it. That's the story. It's just this little slice of fucked up life that Raymond Carver did really well. And also, like, he goes out to the car then after his wife is dead and the dog is dead inside the car. Because he just (laughs) left the the car. Yeah, he was in the store for probably like an hour and a half and he just left the dog in a hot car. Yep. (laughs) I forgot about that. Um, can we talk about, uh, Bad Little Kid? Oh, you mean the best story in the book? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Please. Oh, Bad Little Kid. So, this is introduced to us as a man on death row. And not just death row, he seems to be on, like, an extra death row death row. Like, <laughs> it's, it sounds like it's in the middle of, like, the plains, like, the American plains, and there's, like, a, like, a cinder block building, and that's it. Yeah. And he's talking to his lawyer and explaining why he did what he did. What he did was he shot a small child with an entire revolver worth of bullets. And what he explained then was that this small child had been haunting him his entire life. And every time this child appeared in his life, he would yell the most foul, upsetting things and language at him. And then basically it would lead to somebody he cared about dying by their own hand or by the hands of someone else. I think it starts with um, a mentally challenged girl who he is friends with. She gets hit by a teacher's car because she is led into the street by him. Um, at one point, his college girlfriend kills herself because of taunts that the child yelled. Um, I think um, his dad's um, longtime live-in girlfriend and housekeeper um, dies from a heart attack because she gets her phone taken out because the little kid is calling her repeatedly and calling her awful things. Yes. Also, I did like the little touch that his dad, after his mom died very young, um, his dad got a um, African-American housekeeper and then they just had a relationship for like the rest of their lives and that was just a cute little touch. Yeah. Cause it, especially because like, this was in the 50s and 60s, like that wouldn't have been very cool for most people, but they just did it. Mm-hmm. It was, that was nice. Yeah. It's a nice little Stephen King thing. Bang your workers. Bang your workers. But love. Mutual. Um, not mutual. Uh, well, yes, mutual. Um, consensually have yeah. sex with your... Ignore the power staff. dynamics that come with employer-employee yeah. relationships. And I mean, this wasn't the most power challenge, really. No, it wasn't. I mean, she watched his kid <laughs> and lived in their house and ate their food. Like, you know, it was... Either way, a good relationship. Good for them. They both died. Terrible deaths yeah. because of this haunted child. Awful, awful child. Were you looking up a quote from the I was child? trying to find some of the vicious I mean, things he uh, shot. I mean, spoiler alert, he says the word cunt a lot. A lot. Yeah. Like, more, more times than I've ever seen the word cunt in a book. I'll tell you that much. I'm with you. Granted, I've never gotten through train spotting, but <laughs> I'm sure this is up there. Um, but yeah, this was a really good story. Oof. It was. It and just it, like, felt, it felt the right, like, just sort of, like, so fucked up that you burst out laughing kind exactly. of thing. And, like, it had everything that I love in a good Stephen King story. It had, like, that 50s, 60s aesthetic. It had mm-hmm. Jailhouse. It had Evil Child. Like, it, it had... It, yeah, it had this weird paranormal, but otherwise... Exactly. It was, it was just... And it makes you wonder if the kid was real or if the kid, like... And then, like, in the end, we find out that the kid was never identified mm-hmm. and they don't know who he is and, like, all this stuff. And then the lawyer is leaving because the guy gets fried or shot up, whatever. Um, he gets chemically injected. He gets cavorkened. Cavorked. Mm-hmm. And the guy leaves and he hears a child laugh. 
And then he like opens his car door, and there's one of those dumb little umbrella hats, the, the, the <laughs> dumb little propeller hats, propeller hats, which the kid wears. That's a note throughout the story. And I think there's a note in it that says like, "Keep this. I have another," or something yep. like that. <laughs> I feel like this was a classic Stephen King story. It was. I feel it like felt every, like every compilation probably has one, and this is like the one for him. It felt so so King. Um, one that felt less King, but that I enjoyed. <laughs> immensely is drunken fireworks oh man that was such a ride that was and it it basically it's my kind of story (laughs) it's this like alcoholic grown son and his mom who like fell into some money that they don't deserve and so they just get drunk all day yeah and they live in a lake house and they on 4th of July, they set off some fireworks, but across the lake are, like, all the rich people. That's the nice side. And there's this one, like, mobster family. I was going to say, very specifically Italians. Yes. And we then find out that they are not mobsters. They're just, <laughs> they're, just they're legitimate they're businessmen that Italians. are just well-to-do. And this, like, very hill-folk-adjacent mother and son are just convinced, like, ah, oh, those, those WAP gangsters It's a lot are... of racism <laughs> against Italians, which I just that's, eat up. That's great. Yeah. For people that probably have Italian heritage, it's hilarious yeah. to hear them, like... love hearing them talk up. about Ginzos and WAPs. Uh, fucking um, garlic bread slingers. <laughs> and so it's this, year after year, this escalating fireworks war of who has, the, like, the bigger fireworks display... And the the drunkard son goes on, basically meets some unsavory folk and gets a hold of, like, a highly illegal super weapon. <laughs> and it burns down the house of the Italians. Speaking of Indigenous People's Day, <laughs> he buys these fireworks right. from Indigenous people. This was, that's it's the Christopher Columbus story. This it's, is, he is. Fuck you, let's burn it down. You came to the land and... The well, the natives presumably were there before the drunken hillbillies. This is the land of the free and the home of the whopper, and we are not going to take this. <laughs> Whopper's those, not whops. Those goddamn boyardies over there. <laughs> and then I think the kids from the Italian family burned down their house. Right. Yeah. Then there's like a little payback. But like I. I think I was, like, I was at work when I read this story, and I think I might have, like, phased out at the end. I can't quite remember if they actually did, or if they just, like... Because I think the sheriff is, like, I think you left... you he laid, They left a box of fireworks on top of the stove. Yes, the Italians burned down their house as revenge. But, or did they? Yes. Did, or did they? Yes. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. That was, that was the Italians are incredibly vindictive. May, mm-hmm. I, may I reference Christopher Columbus? <laughs> Uh, that was a good one, though. It, yeah. was, it was very not kingy, but it was very good. It was. It was just this weird sort of fun... It wasn't It wasn't scary. It wasn't creepy. It was just, like, a messed up <laughs> thrill. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about we we uh, parlay into, say, some novels? What some do you... Novels? Um, I... Really have not read many Stephen King novels. Really? Yeah. Have you read Annie? Pardon? Annie. Of... I said Annie, and I was like, huh? Orphan Girl. Annie? Yeah, you didn't know that was a Stephen King story? Um, 
I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't think I've read a Stephen King novel yet. Wow. I have a few on the burner. I, ha- I just got a nice copy of Gerald's Game from the Goodwill. Okay. I have it still, but it's a very intimidating book because it's a foot thick. So I haven't started it yet. Um, I have read... Oh, what's that called? The Green Mile. Okay. Although, now that I think about it, I think The Green Mile might... No, that was a full novel. I've read The yes. Green Mile. Shawshank is a novella. That's what I said. I read the Four Seasons novella with Shawshank in it. And Stand By Me. Yes. And Apt Pupil, the old yes. Nazi man. Uh, and that third one that wasn't a movie, so who gives a shit? But yeah, I really, unfortunately, have not yet. But I'm young, so there's time. That's I true. think The Shining is the big one that I want to hit. Shining's wonderful. Um, it's a different weapon. It is not an axe. It's a hair curler. It's a, a rope mallet. It's a giant, it's a hammer. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's like great. Breaking down the Berlin Wall of your mind. Yeah, of your family. Ah. <laughs> uh, how about you? You done some knowledge? Oh, I've done a bunch. Um, back in like high school, Max, loved, loved, loved Stephen King. Um, this Stand was my favorite for a long time, I admittedly do not recall much in the way of specifics. There are like a, a, few, a few scenes I, I remember well, but that's it. Um, but that was kind of my first like sweeping epic scale story. And that's like an, uh, an apocalyptic good versus evil. And just, it's like 1100 pages and you meet sort of in turn the good characters and the bad ones and they slowly like are in different parts of the country and find one another and then it becomes this sort of battle between them it's great that does i mm. yeah i feel like the only stephen king book i'm not really interested in is the dark tower series i recently started it immense yeah and like there's just something about like that far into another world that i'm not that into like that's why i haven't really tried Game of Thrones, because it's just, like, such a its own thing to learn that I'd rather just read something, like, within. That's fair. Earth. And I think The Dark Tower does a pretty good job of slowly leading you in. And like, the I first appreciate. book is just one guy following another guy, <laughs> which is also not my favorite Stephen King book, but that's basically that's, the whole book. You know, that'll happen. Um, the second one gets really cool. But some of my trying to think i read one there's one that's like a no one knows i think i want to say it's called Roadwork, and i believe it was a richard bachman which was stephen king's pseudonym during i think like the coke years i think maybe it's the stuff that like wasn't i have definitely seen that book but i've not read it it if i recall it was there's a guy who um, the story takes place in an unnamed mis- Midwestern city, uh, grieving over the death of his son and the disintegration of his marriage. A man is driven to mental instability when he learns that both his home and his workplace will be demolished to make room for an extension to the interstate highway. It's very... Do you know about the Killdozer? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, true American folk Just hero. When... Christ. It's true. I what mean, a fucking yeah, talk about. Don't tread on me. He's our Paul Bunyan. He is. And Paul Bunyan's also our Paul Bunyan, but that's old. We got Bunyan. another one. Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan too. Redux. Uh, I 
when you describe that story, all I could think of is like that's literally just the American version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Is it? Because like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like he like goes out for a minute and he comes back and his house is being destroyed and like he just gets abducted by aliens and then all the stuff happens in the book. But like in this one. He finds out his house is going to get destroyed and he just like... And he just like commits like, acts of terrorism against yeah, the town. exactly. Uh, it was dope. It's the American way. To yeah. destroy your own land. It was a good classic like just sort of in the face of development and you know life passing us by and not giving a shit about the little guy sort of thing. Yeah. It was just a man like just pushed to the edge. And as a story about the little guy you must really identify with that. Hey, uh, how does your eye feel from getting shot by that hair tie? <laughs> oh, that was good. I, you said it, and there was like a moment of pure silence, and I knew. I was like, oh, no. I ju- for the listener, it went just over his head. I uh, o- overaccounted for my lack of height. You have another one in your hand, and I feel like you're just going to whip it out Several. when I'm talking. Yep. Jesus. You'll get yours. Okay, um... So, we could go two ways now. Okay. Uh, I was going to try to make a sex joke, but it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, would you rather talk about films, or would you rather talk about real-life spooky things for a minute? Um, let's do... Well, let's, let's take a break from King to yes. talk real-life spooks. Okay, so I have a real-life spook. What do you got? Um, so, yesterday, I was at the local gas station getting gas as one does, and I spied from across the street a man walking. He was well-dressed. He was wearing a plain t-shirt under a suit jacket of some kind. Pants. A sports coat? Yes, a sports coat. I think he was wearing either very nice jeans or dress pants, and he was walking. He was wearing one nice brown leather shoe with the little tassels, and on the other foot, he wore just a sock. In his left hand, he carried his other shoe, and he was just walking. He was jaywalking, in fact. And then he walked right into the CVS with some urgency. And I don't know why. I don't know what was happening. Mm. I don't think anyone else noticed or saw this. He jaywalked right across the middle of the street, then sure. walked into CVS. And he was just there. I, it has been presented to me as a theory that perhaps he threw up in his shoe because he was too polite to vomit on the street. Or perhaps there was a baby bird in the shoe. These were both poised to me, but I don't think either of them are true. I think he is a harbinger of doom. And today, on this very day, not yesterday, but today, I was walking into your house. And as I approached from the street, I saw a man walking. And With he, one shoe. Yes. No! And the sa- he, had his right, he had his right boot on, and his left boot was off, except he wasn't wearing socks. So he was walking with one bare foot across the Philadelphia streets. Mind you, there is active construction going on where he was walking. And he was just loading up his van with his one boot and one just un, unsheathed Now, were these, foot. were these attractive men? Were um, they perhaps yummy men? I... Good callback. I'd say the first one could qualify as yummy. The second one was not yummy. He was just a construction man of some kind. But yes, it really floored me that these two things happened. That is very strange. And they were both crossing the same way as well, from the far side towards me. And there was just so so many similarities that it really makes me wonder if I am noticing perhaps a rift in the universe. I don't know. It's likely. It's spooky. 
It's real spooky. That is spooky. Right? And, like, I think I was even thinking about, like, what I was going to talk about as I was walking, and then I saw him today, and I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. And, like, it happens to be, as you pointed out uh, before we started recording, a very spooky day here in Philly. It is. It is windy, overcast. Just a, not, like, more than overcast. Just a white... It is. Just no sun to be seen. It's just chilly enough to feel unsettling out. Yes. I don't know, man. Tonight's going to be the night. I work tonight because I am uh, working stiff. Mm -hmm. And I just know it's not going to be busy. And it's going to be super spooky and haunted. And a man with a hook is going to come to the back kitchen door and uh, say all of our names and probably whisper the terrible things that will befall us. And Nick, who, who cooks hot dogs, will then just skewer several hot dogs on his hook Yes, as sort of a token of don't murder me, um, a small sacrifice to the hooked man, and can, can he'll be on the perhaps pause the recording for a moment? Sure, Nick's got to poop. I stopped, don't tell them. And we're back after a 35-minute break. That was, at most, a 5-minute break. That was a 30, 35, 34 and a half minutes. What can I say? I had the spooky poops. The spoops! The spoops! I got spooped. Man, where were we? We were talking about something. Oh, you had your spooky story with the shoes. Yes, we did. The shoe man. Um, may I tell a spooky story? Please do. It is from the depths of my subconscious. Uh, Our favorite place to visit here on Dirt After Reading. (laughs) Through the night, I had some very interesting dreams, which I guess I would attribute to a a slight change in some medication dosages that I'm taking. Um, As I recall, first... The first dream of the night was that I was a member of a K-pop group. And got invited to um, some major event. We were flown out to Los Angeles. Um, there, I experienced some right. <laughs> some. This is all. This all just sounds like stuff that would happen to you, Max. Yeah, it sort of does. And then, well, I hope you'll feel differently in a moment. Oh no. Um, and then went to this beautiful museum in LA, which was just like the most palatial place. And I was like, man, I used to live here. I'm so bummed I never went to this museum because it's not a real museum, but it looked super nice. So now I have these like beautiful plans for what a cool museum could look like in LA. Um, and then I uh, seem to have struggled with the fact that uh, my sleeping self believed that I had once had slept with my grandmother. And that was strange, and I only just remembered that now. I I have not, in fact, slept with my grandmother. R.I.P. (laughs) (laughs) But in my dream, it was like, you ever have, like, a truth you don't want to confront in a dream? Oh, yeah. That's what the truth was. I definitely have... I'm gonna... I'm gonna... Well, we're both gonna say things. I've definitely had a... Like incestuous in um not inclinations um like incest it implied incest kind of things in dreams okay. that have not happened yeah. and I don't want them to happen but like it's weird when it happens you're like ooh what yeah <laughs> what's going on in their brain I was just sitting here I was like oh yeah K-pop oh yeah grandma <laughs> like the other night I had a dream that my essentially estranged cousin was trying to stab me in line at a theme park with a large um, like kitchen knife. And I don't know where the fuck that came from. No. Yeah. That's nice. So crazy. Yeah. Weird dreams. Honestly. 
brain, COVID brain, not good. Nope. Bad brain. Bad. <laughs> uh, so, I guess we really only have one more Stephen King thing to talk about. Sure. And that would be the films of Stephen King. Yeah! My word. Um, so, I guess one of my favorites, I have two, but I'll, I'll we could go back and forth. Sure. Would be Creep Show. Okay. This is, so basically it's like a, um, it's, how do I frame this here? It was a graphic novel written by Stephen King, drawn by, I don't know who. But it's very, um, it's very, like, old pulp horror ideas, and, like, in the movie, it opens with a child reading this graphic novel, which you can purchase and read. I have it if you ever want to borrow it. It's very good. It was directed by George Romero, famous Pittsburgh socialite and filmmaker, who started on Mr. Rogers, actually. Mm. He was making short segments on that before he made Dawn of the Dead, and then, well, actually, Night of the Living Dead, and then so on, with the rest of his spook. But yes, um, it's a very good thing, and it begins with the kid reading and his dad, who is played by, oh, what is his name? The guy from Halloween 3. The guy be lost on the me. mustache. He is named, famously... Are you sure about the famously part? Stop that. Um, wait, I know this. I know this. I know this. I know this. Don't stop talking. Tom Atkins. Also, Hall Hallbrook is in this. Um, We get Leslie Nielsen. We get Ted Danson. But yeah, um, he's reading this, and then what we see is like the the character, the spooky man, like the skeleton with a drape is like, "Ah, let me show you the stories. And then we see all the stories. One of those stories, very specifically, is called (laughs) The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. Jordy Verrill, of course, is a hill person played by none other than Stephen King. Oh, a a meteor falls from the sky and he goes to pick it up because he thinks the scientists will pay him a lot of money for it over at the university. Reasonable. And then he pours water on it because it's hot and it cracks open and all this green slime comes out and the green slime is like this weird infectious plant thing and when he touches it he gets it so plants are growing all over him and like it gets in his brain and it tells him to get in the tub with water and then he sees the ghost of his dad in the mirror and he says Jordy if you get in that water you're doomed and he says but it itches so damn much and then he gets in and then the next day he's just the whole his whole farmstead is covered in plants and you see like a signpost that's pointing to all the cities like how close they are and then you hear, like, the radio playing, like, calls for torrential rain in the next few days. So you, like, know the world's doomed. And then he blows his plant brains out with a gun. Oh. So it's basically um, Goosebumps book two of the entire series, uh, Don't Go in the Basement, where a child's fa- botanist father becomes a sort of plant monster. Exactly. And not to get too deep into the weeds, but, uh, but that is one of the best um, Goosebumps television show episodes. Oh, really? Yes, I have it on VHS. It's Some good practical effects. Oh, yes, very good practical effects. I just love the the original Goosebumps show. It's so good. The intro is so good because it's like him walking and his briefcase opens and all his stories fly out. And like that's the idea of like how his stories become. <laughs> oh, real. that's fun. It's so good. But yeah, um, it's a very good movie directed by a great man. And uh, it's a good show. They made a second one recently. There were other ones after that that weren't directly done by Stephen King and uh, George Romero, which aren't as good. And then recently, last year, they did a short series on the streaming app Shudder, where they just, like, did new stories in the same format, and they had a lot of really good cameos by horror people. They had um, Toby Hooper from Saw. They had the guy who played Gus Fring. 
Giancarlo Esposito. Yes, they just a bunch of great people, a bunch of great writers, directors. Um, yeah. Cool. So I would say Creep Show is a very good thing in general, and you should check it out if you haven't. I absolutely will. I was not familiar. Um, I'd like to talk about 1922. Oh, Do you know this wait. one? Oh, I'm, I'm familiar, but I... So I'll... I'll tell this story as I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a Stephen King adaptation of a novella. And I watched it with a friend. We were having dinner. And she was like, she was like, I don't want to watch anything scary. I'm like, it has really good reviews. And it's like, I don't know. She's like, okay, fine. Let's do it. <laughs> um, and it's about, it's like a farmer and his wife in 1922 and his wife owns the farmhouse and he's afraid of losing it or something so he murders his wife and he pushes her he throws her body in the well um and then like covers it up he ends up killing a cow and putting that on top of the well and like um but then rats start showing up and at this point my friend goes she's like is this a fucking rat horror movie? And immediately when I saw that, I remembered the story because I had read it. Yeah. And it is very much a rat horror movie. Um, and I'll spoil the entire thing. Oh, please do. Basically, the he has murdered his wife and then has this sort of haunting guilt and the rats manifest. And he, like chews himself up as if it were the rats like it's all in his it's very telltale heart if the, instead of a heart beating under the floorboards it was just rats eating you you know that's interesting because he did another rat story oh the titular work from the short story compilation night shift mm-hmm. was about giant mutant rats in yes. a linen factory that is correct he is a he stephen king loves three things Prisons, rats, killer cars, and cars that eat people. Yep, we didn't even talk about that short story. Yeah, a car eats people. Yeah, that was a cool. And they reference his novel Christine in the short story, which is another novel about a murder car. You love to see it. Um, there's one other big one that sticks out for me. Okay, and this is one of one of the first stories of his that was made into a film. And I believe it was the first thing that he ever had a cameo in. I don't know this for sure, so don't grill me. Okay. I mean, not that anyone ever emails us, but if you cho- if you choose to on this, you don't have to. Okay. Um, that would be the incorrectly spelled film Pet Cemetery. It is a fantastic good time. It is a goofy film because it didn't have a very high budget, but they really it had spirit. It has a it has a good old main character which I love. God, I love old main. Like, old, old main talking the way they talk. Like, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> they don't do R's. There are no R's in the old main language. Oh, God, it's so good. You got Stephen King playing the priest at the kid's funeral. You got the evil kid with the overdub. When he's a zombie, they, like, overdub everything. But it's still, it's still the kid talking, but they just overdub it so it's extra creepy. <sighs> no fair. It's such a good movie. And then you got that Ramon song over the credits. Really? Yeah. Oh, I gotta see it. Oh, uh, the, the Ramon song Pet Cemetery is so good. Cool. It has, I think, I always think it's... Wait, was it made for the movie? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's it's so just, funny. It's a weird, like, corporate sellout thing for them to do, but it's a really good song. <laughs> I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. It's like the main chorus. It's just so damn good. 
They they call it Rock and Roll Pet Cemetery. And it's so I love when a movie is when the the song over credits in a movie is such a departure from the theme of the movie. Yeah, because like it's the movie Pet Cemetery if you've ever seen it, and then like a pretty a pr- like a milder but definitely a punk rock song about the plot of the movie <laughs> over That's the credits. So cool. It's a really good one. Now, have you ever been to a pet cemetery? I actually there is a pet cemetery in the front yard of my parents' house. Really? Yes, there are many pets. I think there's three now. Okay. Do you have tombstones? Oh uh, yes, there are small rocks painted. Oh. But yeah, I've I feel like I've also been to an actual pet cemetery, but I'm, I can't guarantee that. I know in my my youth living in um, rural suburban Ohio. There was a pet cemetery in my little cornbread town. Hell yeah. And, and I believe it was lovely. I'm sure it was. Like this, I think we buried a cat there or something. Aww. Yeah. I do love that it is a a reoccurring plot point in The Simpsons that the town has a, a large, <laughs> a sprawling pet cemetery. <laughs> as big as their regular cemetery. And also at one point there's a voter fraud episode and... I think it's Lisa. She's checking the records and she realizes all of the pets in the pet cemetery right. voted. Yes. I believe a... that would be Sideshow Bob Roberts is yes. the episode. Uh, a play on the film. Dr. Fraser Crane. Yes. I'm listening. Those are the words he says. Thank you. I can repeat things I've heard on television. Mm-hmm. You should try Family Guy quotes. I'm not going to do that because I'm not a proud boy. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Gunshot, gunshot, cast register. Um, so we're going to do a little game where I'm going to shoot Nick with these hair ties. <laughs> no. And he's got to name uh, several breakfast cereals while I do. How many? Are you from four? You tell me, proud boy. Oh, God. Nice try. <laughs> do proud boys not know cereal? I don't get it. Do you know cereal. that that's one of the rituals? They have to. Well, they get punched, actually. Why? Because it's fucking stupid, uh, uh, and it's a way to couch their racism. Corn and pops, special shit. Uh, uh, cocoa pebbles. You're, this is good. You're going to officially become a proud boy if you keep Stop going. That. If you this name one more while I hit you. Hey, Max. Candyman. Ah! Candyman. No. How many is it? Is it five? Is it five? That's it's it's got to be three. No, it's a weird number. It's like, it might be ten. Like Sixteen times. Wait, let me look at this. Also, super mad that Candyman got delayed. They, oh. they delayed the release a year. And I get it, because they say, like, it's a thing you should see in a theater with other people, not in your house. But still, like... But we're not going to have theaters in a year. Yeah, exactly. They're, so they're nice. all going to be gone. Yeah. Um, how many times do you need to say Candyman? Sorry for people listening to this, but I really need to know. Five times into a mirror. Dumb. (laughs) Let me just read this from the Wikipedia. It's a little excerpt. She hears a local story about the candy man who can be summoned by saying his name five times into a mirror, causing him to appear and kill the summoner with a hook that was attached to the bloody stump of his right arm. Yay. Thank you, Wikipedia. I love candy. Wikipedia is my favorite book. Mm -hmm. So... I guess, um, if you want to do a quick between the derns at the end of the dern, if you want to do a between the kings, if you want to do a I want to talk to more kings. Oh, I'm sorry, there's more kings? Oh, I could do this for days, man. Film adaptations. Can we do, can we do a lightning round where we just, we'll do a game where we each have to just say a king film adaptation. let's do it. And see how far we can get. I mean. Carrie. 
Wait, wait, wait. You just gotta Stop. say the name. No, wait. So we're just gonna do this until we run out? Yeah. Okay, so start. Carrie. The Shining. Green Mile. The Shining again. Shawshank Redemption. Um, Stand By Me. It. Um, um, Gerald's Game. The Stand. Um. Oh, he's, nope, he's, nope. he's fading. Stop! I got it. It's a uh, night shift. Under the dome. Um. Creep show. Um. Ah, shit. Um. Thinner. Creep show too. Fuck. <laughs> Sitting on that one. Uh, let's go with Christine. That's a good one. Um, uh, there's a few like newer ones on Netflix, but I can't. There's one about corn. Come on. What is it? Is it? It's not between the rows. That's from well, Children of the Corn. Yeah, there you go. Cujo. But there is another one. Cujo. That's um, I don't know. I mean, I know there's more, but like, we're, we hit I feel big... like we we're less than half. Probably. Right. Um, I mean, did somebody pay, did pay? Did somebody say Pet Cemetery? No. Okay. Good. 1922. Pet Cemetery, the new one. November 16th, 1950s, 1963. Yeah. When Kennedy was killed. That's right. That one. Did I get it right? I think so. Okay. I don't really know. Who cares? He's dead. Yeah. Um, it. I said it, but there's another end, so I'll give it to you. The shine. No, you did the shine. I did both. Um, oh, I feel like I was just thinking of one. Firestarter. Ooh, really good one. Um, I just, I just keep thinking of the newer versions of the ones, but I feel like that's cheating. Carrie again. <laughs> the rage, Carrie too. Carry again. They've made three of them now. Uh, apt pupil. It too. The mist. Um, I'm looking this up, but only looking up the one because I I know it. I just can't say it. Stephen King corn movie. <laughs> gonna give me a weird porn parody. Not Children of the Corn though. Um, ah, uh, you know what I mean. You dong. Uh, Doctor Sleep, I guess. <laughs> That's oh, it's the one, uh, The Outsiders. True. Wait, no. Yeah. The Outsiders wasn't written by Stephen King. The new one? Oh, I the... thought you meant like the... No, not like... No. Stay Golden Pony Boy. I thought you meant that one, and I was like, that's not no. a... Oh, I... I'm out. I'm sorry. I really... That's alright. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna be... I was gonna say, you can't have more. <laughs> Children of the Corn 2, 3, okay, 4, 7, 12. Corn, corn, corn! <laughs> Oh, man. There's a lot of King out there. Yeah. He is a prolific man. Mm-hmm. It was all the coke. Did you know he does a program where if you send him a dollar, he will give you the licensing to one of his short stories and you can make a movie out of it. <laughs> you're just not allowed to profit off of it. Oh, is that true? Yeah. So if you're like a film student and you send him a dollar to one of the properties that has not been bought by a company, he will give you the license to use it for exactly one year. And I did it once. And I was too busy, and I wound up not actually... Really? Yeah. What, what story? 
I don't remember. How did you keep this from us? This entire episode. I think you can still do it. Um, You, it was a story. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was about a man who went to visit his uncle. Oh, the man from uncle. No, stop. There was like a creepy truck in the field and he found his uncle's body and it was like full of motor oil and like the truck killed him or something. Oh shit, yeah. And I really wanted to do that because I thought it would be easy and cool, but I... Maybe I will do it one day. Nope. I'm, I'm coming for send you, Send him another dollar. And if you don't send him a dollar and you do, in fact, make a student project, he will shoot you in the face. He actually will write a story about you that will curse you that forever. That will kill you yes, with a will, bullet to the face. He will kill you with his magic typewriter. Mm-hmm. Every Stephen King story is actually autobiographical. Yep. Murder cars. Also, there was a famously terrible Broadway adaptation of Misery where the lead Misery! Char- we did miss that. Where the lead character was played by none other than Bruce Willis. And apparently really? it was really bad. Who, I don't know. Oh, was the movie James Caan? Yes. Yeah. And James Caan was very good. Yeah. Um, that, that year, I forget, it was like four or five years ago, there were several Broadway plays that had like big screen stars in them. Yeah. And they were all terrible because none of them can like Broadway right. act where they have to remember an entire script and like repeat it mm-hmm. well. I know, uh, what's his face? Not Robert De Niro, but the other one. Just Scarface guy. Al Pacino. Yes, Al Pacino was also in a play, and he was, like, bad, bad. Like, he had an yeah, earpiece, like, awful. he would just forget lines a lot. No. Like, I think... Oh, that's horrible. I, think the sh- I don't remember what show he was in, but it closed pretty fast. And the yeah. Bruce Willis one, he also, like, had an earpiece and was clearly just being fed lines, like, half the time. <laughs> it's a bummer, man. Learn yeah. your lines. Or just don't do that. Or, yeah, you don't have to. Right? You could... If you're Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis, be like, hey, can you give me... Five million dollars to like be in a movie where shit blows up. They'd be like, okay. Honestly, Bruce Willis could have just could do nothing else for the rest of his life and be fine. Also, Bruce Willis in a redoing of Misery, like the film, would probably not be bad. Yeah, but he he just had to he beefed it. He beefed it hard. Mm-hmm. So, um, have you watched anything recently? Anything, um, anything I watched the, the Boys. The Boys. The Boys on Amazon. Superheroes are famously scary. I just finished it. It is. It's got some spooks. It's got. It's really good. I loved it. Uh, and it's good in the way that Watchmen is. You know, maybe one of the best. So you watch the Watchmen. Oh, you son of a bitch! Um. The Boys is good because it's sort of like a modern version of Watchmen, which is very in the 80s sort of social commentary via superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's sort of doomsday, cold war, urban crime issues in Watchmen, where The Boys is much more um, modern growth of uh, Nazi movements and celebrity culture and just being a scathing fucking critique of everything marvel does which is delicious um and it's very funny and all it's very well done very funny and great and like everyone's probably already watched it except you because i was late to the game but it's great yeah i have not watched it but i might we'll see um anything else um, I'm reading a book your roommate lent me. Uh, Cat's I Cradle. did see that in there. Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut, um, which is another one I'm late to the game on by about on, 70 years. It's only been out since the 60s. 57, I believe. Oh. One, of, one of his earlier ones. 
Oh, wait, could be wrong. Um, but so far, it's wonderful. It hits themes. I've only read... I haven't read as much Vonnegut as I should, given that he really resonates with me. Um, I remember he... There's one line, I think, in Slaughterhouse-Five, where he says... Um, I studied anthropology, so I learned there are no bad people. And if there's one sort of life philosophy, like ideological value I hold that can be reduced to a phrase, it might be there are no bad people. And I owe that in large part to my undergraduate anthropology degree. Um, And this Cat's Cradle is looking at it's about an author trying to find, trying to write a book about the day the atom bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, but fictionalized. There are fictionalized characters in it, scientists and such. But the themes thus far appear to be basically largely about a critique of this sort of idea of science as this thing that can save us and how science did horrible, horrible things in this particular case. Um, and that humans perhaps might be saved by, instead of science, by, you know, humanity. Hmm. So I like it. It's also fun and weird because it's Vonnegut and it's super page turnery. Each chapter is like three quarters of a page. Nice. But I, I don't have any spooks. I just That's fuck fun. my grandma in my dreams. That's it. That is pretty spooky. Yeah. Dang, dog. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Um, I've got a few little things. Yeah, you, you 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 really get into the spook season. I do. I'm I'm a professional spooker, and this year I can't do that. So I gotta just put it all inside of me and save it for next year, so I can just absolutely go into a psychosis-filled rage mm-hmm. on paying customers. But for now, I watched um, Ernest Scared Stupid recently. Never saw it. It's an Ernest movie. It's a very family-friendly comedy. It's got some fun little trolls. And it has a very surprising Dutch angle. Which <laughs> I saw that and I wrote it down for this podcast because I was like, that's crazy. An Ernest movie, a Dutch angle. And that's all I really got to say about that. Did it feel... Was it, like, significant? Or was it just, like, a random shot? I mean... It, like, it was used to emphasize him running away from something. Okay. And I was like, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> I was freaked out because it was such a good use of that thing. Yeah. That, you know, everyone... For the, the listeners who don't know, a Dutch angle is sort of the, the camera askew from... It's, it's, like, usually lower and, like, a harsh... A harsh angle. Almost like a... Tilt the camera at 45 degrees and Pretty drop the camera real low. Yes, like if somebody is walking in a Dutch angle shot, it would usually be from like, technically the bottom um, right-hand corner of the screen to the top left-hand corner, just the way everything lines up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, good movie. People always say it is the Citizen Kane of our time, and I will say that on this podcast. Yeah. I have a film degree. Anyway, the other thing I watched, which you should watch, it's a very good watch is Over the Garden Wall. It is available on Hulu. It was a Cartoon Network series from several years ago. It is 11-minute episodes, and it is just the most spooky, beautiful, old-timey, charming thing I have watched all year. It has some amazing voices. It has um, Christopher Lloyd appears in it. It has Elijah Wood as one of the boys. It has some other ones that I can't quite place, but are very good. And just looking at the imagery here, yes. it appears like um, maybe like a, a classical um, 
fairy tale kind of garden gnomes in sort of a woodland setting. Yes, it has like um, alive skeletons and pumpkin people, frogs, talking birds, and it's just so pretty and funny and silly and beautiful. And it's also like very adult and scary at certain times, some of the characters. It's very good. Like I would suggest it. It's okay. I going into it, I was uh, for some reason I thought it was an old timey thing because I think there are older adaptations of Over the Garden Wall that are like less good than this, and that's what I was expecting. And then I watched this and I was like, oh man, this is. It just like has such and like it has very good like old timey Victorian spooky imagery, mm-hmm. but then at certain points you realize, oh, this is just supposed to be now. Because even the main character is dressed in a very, like, like in a cape and, like, a, a button-up shirt and suspenders. Mm-hmm. And then, like, almost near the end, you find out he's wearing a Halloween costume because when he fell into this world, he was just going to uh, And even at so once... So it's like the village. I mean, sort of. But even then, they, like, double up on that because he's making a girl. He likes a mixtape. But then he gives it to her, and she's like, I don't have a tape player. And it's like, <laughs> and they just, like, they're playing so much with time and... And then in the very, very end, there's, like, they get out of the world, but you get to see what happens to all the people, like, the finale, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of ends up happy. And it's a really good time. It's very life-affirming. It's a nice story. It has a lot of weird lessons that aren't very harped on, because it's just about the spooky and, like, the adventure. Nice. And I'll, I guess... I'll check it out. One other thing that I can talk about incredibly briefly... I am reading this book. It is Roald Dahl's Book of Ghost Stories. He compiled them over the years when he was writing a TV series that never got aired. And uh, it's pretty cool. I haven't really read much of it, but it's really cool towards lady writers. And he basically, in the intro, says, like, women can write too. Which I think is a thing a lot of male authors from his time period probably wouldn't have put in a book. Mm-hmm. So, good for him. Also, when I pulled this out of my backpack and opened it, a mysterious I was wondering letter fell this. out of it. And I... For the listener, it's a tiny letter. It it's a, a sealed letter. With a lot of stickers. It's roughly two and a half inches squared. It has a two-legged spider on it. A t- in, the corner stamp. Where in a corner where a stamp would sit, it has a two-leg, a four-legged spider with a smiley face that says stamp on it. And, uh, yeah, it's addressed to me and my house, but it was in this book, so I guess... The post office. I think you should open it on air. I'm not gonna open it on air. Open it on air. No, I'm not doing that. Come on. No. Why you give the listeners what they want? I am gonna. All right, open it on air on Patreon. Fine. Yeah, I'll do that. But yeah, um, spooky letter. The mailman is getting pretty personal, which I don't know if I appreciate, but good for him. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, we've done our spooks. We've done our gooks. Oh Oh, no! Wait, no. Those are both slurs, but they don't feel like slurs until you say them both. Oh, 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 uh, Nick's a proud boy. No, See you next week. No, 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 no. We're not done. We're not done. Okay. Uh, first of all, listeners, if I don't edit this whole section out, please know that I was just rhyming. I didn't mean to say that bad word for Asian people. Anyhow, um, we got to talk about what we're doing next week. This, right now, is our penultimate spooky episode, meaning we have one more spooky episode after this. That episode will be released the week of Halloween. And we're going to talk about one spooky thing. And I'm going to give Max two options. I wanted it to be a mystery, but he doesn't seem to like that idea. So, we could watch one of two things next week for spooky dirt, and this will be dirt. Okay. We could watch an episode of Nightmare Classics, 
from the 90s. It was a short-lived anthology series of classic horror stories portrayed on television. Laura Dern happened to be in the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde episode. Okay. You can get it on YouTube. It looks very promising and spooky and like a thing you would watch in like high school English class. Sure. In fact, I would almost bet money... That's the only Half reason it exists. people have seen this in a high yes. school English class. Or we could watch the David Lynch joint, Blue Velvet. Oh, let's watch Blue Velvet. Very well. Is that what you wanted me to pick? I kind of wanted you to pick. I wanted you to... I wanted to randomize this and have me randomly pick David Lynch. And have you be mad about it. But also, I mean, either way. They're both yes. going to be great. I will, they will not both be great. <laughs> they will not. Blue Velvet will be trash. Alrighty. Well. I'm fully aware. Uh, countrymen, friends, tune in next week for the Goops. ultimate. Stop. <laughs> Turn in next week for the ultimate Blue Velvet special. Yeah. Spooky Dern. I'm going to hate it. Stay spooky. Stay Dern. Say it. See you. See you. See you. Bye. 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 Bye.